How are we doing today, Turtle? Matt, what's going on, my friend? <sighs> you know, another day in paradise. Where were you at? You were, you were, uh, I know you were taking a plane ride home. Where did you say you were? Oh, yeah, I was in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska this week. Cornhusk territory, huh? Oh, man. So, legitimately, I stayed downtown in Lincoln, and the the drive from the airport into the downtown area, you pass the Cornhusker Stadium. And that thing, it's massive. It is it is their temple. I mean, and I, the, the upper deck bleachers, you can just tell from the highway, that is steep. I'll tell you what, you're going to University of Nebraska, you got a nice setup. They got a really nice uh, arena for basketball, concerts, etc. Nice baseball field and really nice football stadium. They they put a lot into it. It was uh it was a pretty impressive setup. Yeah, that's the religion over there. I can't say I've ever been to that part of the uh country, but looks like a pretty cool place to go watch a football game. Oh, certainly. And downtown, you can tell catered towards the college crowd bars everywhere a lot of outdoor space really kind of cool vibe like you said though hard 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 place of the country to get to things wrong on both ends with my flights and whatnot but happy to be home in the boston area 84 degrees today just walked the pup and yeah ready to talk some top 12 dynasty tight end ranks how about you i'm ready to rock and roll man Hey, before we jump in, a um, little bit of news in the NFL lately. Nothing crazy. We had a trade today with Brian Edwards going from the the Raiders over to the Falcons. R.I.P. Drake London. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we also had Jarvis Landry officially signing. There were rumors of him signing with New Orleans. That became reality today. Anything within that, uh, you know, moving moving on your monitor, or is that just flying under your radar? No, that's flying under my radar. I know maybe the move for Brian Edwards just means that Auden Tate isn't everything that we chalked him up to be. I know the Dynasty community was a little bit excited about him getting some more playing time, but I guess that's going to fall through the cracks. Those guys are going to have a very big wide receiver core, though, plus tight end. It's spread. spread it's going to be a lot of guys and I don't know um, who's quite ready to lead because obviously the two big names in Pitts and London are the two youngest guys within the crowd there. Um, So you got a very crowded room. The highest talent guys are the most junior ones. So who's really ready to lead? Uh, Is Brian Edwards going to have, you know, a surprise uh, career renaissance in Atlanta will remains to be seen. You never know. They, um, they kept comparing uh, Brian Edwards last year. I know it was really funny. They kept saying he's he's like Terrell Owens. We never got to see that, so I will yeah. not. I will not. I will not even think that unless I see some crazy breakout. Well, I'm I'm over here drawing the connections that that uh, you or other people haven't yet. Who's the receiver on the Atlanta Falcons roster who has the highest level of chemistry? with the starting Falcons quarterback? Well, first off, we don't really know who the starting Falcons quarterback is because Ritter could come in there and absolutely outcompete Mariota, which I think is completely possible. Sure. Um, but let's assume Mariota. Yep. And he was on the Raiders last year. So does Edwards walk on and instantly have that uh, that degree of chemistry that makes a difference? I, I see where you're going with it. I mean, I'm sure that they were throwing the ball with each other every single practice since they were both technically 
I mean, I guess Brian Edwards was a starter, but he didn't really do much, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's a deep cut, right? It's uh, it's more fantasy thinking than, than anything, and I mean that not in the sense of the game, but in the sense of the unlikelihood that it ever comes to fruition. But that's the fun stuff to think about, you know? Does, uh, does Mariota and Edwards both find greener pastures and actually um, make a connection? We'll have to see. Now, Landry to New Orleans is actually pretty interesting. One, because... Thomas not around, and uh, you got to assume him and Jameis limited kind of overlap there. The one year where I think they had some time together was the one year Breeze was still there, uh, and then and then the injury from Jameis. So maybe not much rapport there. Then you got the new rookie Olave, who, who I'm personally very high on. I think I think he's got a very very high ceiling based on his talent. And then you got Landry. So you got guys who are, are, are new to the team, new to the quarterback, new to the system. But, you know, two big names on the veteran side and a big name on the rookie side. I mean, Jameis has got some weapons. Let's be serious. He does. He does. He has a lot of weapons. It's, it's pretty crazy to see another extremely talented wide receiver. I don't know if he's the biggest difference maker, but he is going to absolutely take a, a big target share. And I was just actually on Twitter, and I saw that Mike Clay tweeted out, and he was basically breaking down the uh, different target shares for for all the guys on that team. And the last thing he said was, the math doesn't add up because Kamara's got 20%. Michael Thomas, if healthy, has got 25%. Olave, 20 now Landry twenty, and then it's still, and then you still got a few of those other guys that you got to feed. So we're gonna have to see what happens there. But do you think that them bringing in Landry is any sort of indicator that Michael Thomas is still not hundred percent healthy? Well, it's a good question. There haven't been a lot of reports about the ankle recovery, uh, which is never good because usually it's like you know um, rainbows and sunshine type offseason. and everything's a puff piece, right? Yes. But there was uh, a recent podcast, I think it was NBC Sports Network or one of their local affiliates had had, um, Dennis Allen, the new head coach, on. Basically, the way he worded it were there, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but in so many words he said, there's still hurdles to clear in order for Thomas to even be back on the football field ready to play. And our hopes are that he's there week one. But there's there's hurdles there. So it seems to be he's still struggling um, with the recovery. Uh, I, I'm sure he's out there grinding as hard as he and the team doctors are allowing him to. But, you know, the body can only heal as quick as the body can heal. It might not be a Michael Thomas hitting the recovery hard. It might just be this is a, a serious ailment that he's trying to overcome. So definitely a good insurance policy if you're trying to get a good slot receiver, um, you know, seven of 10 yards, you know, a dot, that's, that's what Landry's going to do. But you're right. When you're talking about targets, you got Kamara, um, that you got to consider suspension potentially looming. Right. But you also have the, um, the other guys on the team, the tight ends, which, uh, we're going to be talking about today, but you have Taysom Hill converted to tight end. You got Adam Troutman. You got to assume those guys, uh, well, Taysom converted for a reason, and then Troutman, the year three, I, I kind of like the guy. He was having a nice little season, or let me take that back. He was having a nice little stretch of games before the injury. Seemed like he was he was connecting with with Trevor Simeon for a while there uh, before the injury. So yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see how it plays out. I do think 
Um, speaking of the tight ends, good segue into the, the main core of our, our topic here today, which is the top 12 dynasty tight ends. And I will say this, unlike what, ranking the RBs and the, the wide receivers, there's going to be less guys that uh, you know only got one vote from each of us, Turtle. Uh, there were a total of, of 14 guys between our two lists. So we were 10 out of 10 in terms of ranking in terms of ranking, um, I think our top 10 guys were pretty much almost spot on. And then, you know, the, the lower end of the, the top 12, uh, those last two spots, I think we just had other names that we wanted to throw out there. We had a tie for first place. Uh, it was Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts tied for the Dynasty top spot. Mark Andrews was one on your list and two on mine. And Pitts was two on yours and one on mine. So why don't you start with with Andrews, who, you know, I think if, if we had to give a tiebreaker, you might lean Andrews just with Hollywood leaving and um, maybe Drake London coming into the picture for, for Kyle Pitts. And, and he was the top tight end last year. So maybe we just uh, let him retain the, the proverbial top ranking out of respect to that, just just. Tell me what you think about Andrews now with Baltimore potentially, at least with the moves that they're making, seeming like they're going to recommit to the run game that made them so successful in years past. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the reason I I rank Mark Andrews one for fantasy is because he's still young. He's only 26 years old. Mm -hmm. So he's not like in that Kittle range where he's 28 and he's he's starting to kind of um, get a little bit older in his career. He's still young. He's still in his absolute prime. And the last three seasons, he finished with 10 touchdowns, seven touchdowns, and nine touchdowns and had progressively better years each year. I just think that with Marquise leaving, I know that they are going to really establish the run as much as they possibly can. But I still think that that leaves Mark Andrews a huge target share, and I can only see him being successful in that offense. He already built a very good relationship with Lamar, so I can only see it improving from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, in in um in terms of targets, he he led the league, uh, and and that was by a fair amount. I think he was twenty more targets, yeah, just under twenty more targets than Kelsey, and he was the the only receiver last year uh, from the tight end position. That had a hundred plus receptions. He had a hundred seven. So he kind of stood in that in that phylum uh, by himself. A hundred plus receiver uh, from the the tight end position. It's it's good to have, especially if you're playing in a, a full PPR or tight end premium type format. Which in our league, it's a tight end premium. They get they get a full point PPR. Every other position gets a half. And when you have that scoring, he averaged uh, 17.7 fantasy points per game. That's from a, from a position where you are looking to potentially build an advantage over your opponent. That's, that's a pretty significant one to have more than 15 points come from a position where, you know, you look across the, the landscape and there's, there's not going to be anyone, you know, more than one person rather coming, coming close to that. So. 1300 uh over 1300 yards 1361 to be exact so he 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 led in targets he led in receptions he led in yards and to your point he led in touchdowns there was a tie for first but he he was in that tie for first place in touchdowns he did everything right they were very pass heavy though last year now as the pie potentially shrinks 
do you think you know you're going to be looking back on the 22 season and, and he's still fine he's going to be in that 150 or, or in the range plus or minus 10 targets I think he's got to be I mean I think he's really their only legitimate l- legitimate established deep threat up the seam short d- down and ends he's their only guy who's really established like Bateman I think is going to come onto the scene but I think that's going to take a little bit of time yeah I think you're right. I, I think when with Hollywood gone, he is he's young, like you said, but but he is the old head in that receiving core. You got a young Bateman, you got a young Devin Duvernay, who's more of a special teams guy. He's an all pro special teams. All pro Devin all Duvernay. Pro. Yeah, all pro Devin, Devin Duvernay, pro bowler, but he might be asked to do more at a position where he's not been asked to really play. It's gotta be Andrews or Bust. Or this this running back core, Mike Davis included, just has to go absolutely bananas because if they're not moving the chains through the air from time to time and keeping Andrews on the field, this is going to be a very bad team. And I don't think the Ravens are going to be a very bad team. So you got to think that um, Andrews is going to be a very safe spot on the table to put some chips on. Yeah, and that's so crazy that, that the Ravens just do, do not throw the ball to their running backs. So... It's funny how that works, right? Yeah, and I could even honestly see Mark Andrews lining up in the backfield at some point and just just taking you know little little passes and just making it work. Kelsey, I really could. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kelsey does that. So um, before we get to the big man Kelsey, we need to talk Kyle Pitts. Very very young player, but you got to think that there's going to be growing pains, but. With the young age, that comes. And with that young age and the draft capital that he has, there also comes upside. Now, I think we might see a season very similar to the one we just saw. And why do I say that if he's got a year in the system with the coach and he's only going to get better? Well, I think as a team, the Falcons took a step backwards at the QB position. I think Matt Ryan has a noodle for an arm. You know, he's got a piece of pasta um, for an arm. But at the same time, uh, Mariota hasn't been asked to do much, and, and Ritter uh, as a third round pick. We got to look at this team and just say that, like, they are worse off at the quarterback position. And that's, there's going to be a trickle down effect to the skill position players as a result. That's going to be less time on the field for the running backs, and that's going to be lower quality targets for the receivers. Now, Kyle Pitts, all the opportunity in the world in this very open wide receiver slash tight end room with Drake London being the primary competition. I know we were just talking Edwards at the top of the show, throw him in as a a lower end third consideration, I would say right now, but you got to rank him high in a dynasty format because even if he may have a similar year in the short term, And that got you the tight end six finish from a fantasy points per game perspective. He finished just above the double-digit mark at 10.4 points per game. you got to just say, well, I I, I mean, if Kelsey's playing great at 32 years old, I might have this guy on my team for a decade plus. You really can't say that, except if you're dealing with an elite young quarterback. Um, You usually don't have um, tight ends putting out the production that Pitts did in in his rookie season. Not really great from a reception and touchdown standpoint. He only had the single touchdown in 68 receptions, which uh, which ranked sixth in the league. But he had 110 targets, and there were only, I believe, six or so tight ends that, that hit that mark. 
uh, seven, he was seventh rather in, in uh, receptions at 68. But there were only six um, six tight ends that had 100 plus targets to begin with. So you add it all up, you you just got to say, hey, similar to uh, a running back who might just be going through a year of of turnover at a at a skilled position at the quarterback position, but you know he's elite. This is a guy who you got to say, I got to hold on, and if I'm trading him. I need to trade him based on a forward-looking multiple, not what he may be putting in the stat sheet in 2022. Would you agree, Turtle? I would agree. And and the good thing about him is that even with that bad Atlanta Falcons offense last year, he still cleared 1,000 yards, it which is. is very impressive for a first-year tight end because that rarely, rarely happens. We know that these tight ends come to the league, and it takes a few years for them to really gain any sort of momentum. So that's really, really exciting to see. The other good thing about Kyle Pitts is that he's not used as a blocker very often. No. So for fantasy purposes, that is huge. You know that he's going to be getting downfield. You know that he's going to be getting targeted. And eventually when they do get that quarterback who is going to be the future of their franchise, I think the main goal will be to establish a, a, a relationship and a rapport with him, mm-hmm. which will in turn just continue to boost his fantasy numbers. But I do know that Kelsey – Andrews, even a few of these other guys that we're going to be talking about here soon, will probably outscore him this year. Yeah. I think you're going to have a very similar ending spot this year to last year. He could finish double digits, and he might catch a few extra touchdowns. But who knows if the yardage is is kind of a trade-off in that respect. But he finished as the the tight end 7 in full PPR scoring last year with the the 10.4. You know, while potentially not uh, a big difference maker at the position in terms of in terms of that, you know, it's it's still good. Actually, I got that wrong. Let me let me refilter on fantasy points per game, and we're at three, four. Okay, so he was actually the tight end twelve in, in fantasy points per game. But there's a few guys in here with with less games played. You know, Logan Thomas, five games, you might need to carve him out. Darren Waller, I guess you've got to keep him in there with 11 games. TJ Hawkinson with 12. They're above him slightly in the points per game, but they didn't play nearly as many. If they played more, potentially that that uh, fantasy points per game comes down. But, I mean, overall, like you're right, a successful rookie season, one of two all-time to hit the 1,000-yard mark, albeit he did it in uh, was a 17-game season this year instead of 16, so he needed the extra to get there. But let, let's not take that away from him. Yeah, he, he did good. He was a little bit lower in the, in the points per game. I just had the, the wrong column sorted there. He was, he was 12th, not 10th in full-point PPR. Yeah, that's that makes sense. The, the 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 one other thing just about him is that he's so young. He could honestly be elite for a full decade, if yes. not more, which is just crazy to think because he's he's twenty one years old. So you traded for him recently in the league. What's your stance on him? Is as an owner, is he one of those guys? Uh, don't really approach me about him unless you are are willing to extremely overpay. Um, because he's one of those young uh, assets that you can build around? Or is he a guy who, if he rips off a hot start, you're going to, oh, I might do a trade for another one of those. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to make someone overpay. I'm just going to go try to get someone who is viewed in a similar tier as him. Yeah, I mean, in my brain, that's that's definitely the thought process. It's like, do not sell him. Do not undersell him. But you know how I play fantasy football. I'm very aggressive. So like, if if someone gave you, came, if, huh? 
CeeDee Lamb or A.J. Brown or someone in that, you know, top five wide receiver range, and I'll throw you back, you know, the tight end 14 or 16 just so you're covered at the position, does does that get it done? I don't think so. Not not for me because I not mean, I'll, I'll, be on, I'll be honest. I I don't I don't think I don't think uh, one of our league mates is going to care too much. But I mean, I'll just divulge just an idea. I won't even name the players, but he offered me one of the better rookie, but one of the better rookie wide receivers and a top five tight end for Pitts. And I was like, I really thought about it, and I said, let me let me think about it. He wanted to add something extra in, which was one of my other players, um, one of my lower my lower tiered wide receivers. It, it was Christian. It was Christian Kirk, to be honest with you. But um, I really thought about it, and I was like, I I don't think I could do it right now, just because I seen Kyle Pitts last year. I didn't see this rookie wide receiver play yet. I think that he eventually will be good, but I don't think it was worth it. But 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 go, going back to my question, you replaced that rookie wide receiver with a known commodity and i mean like a a a dynasty top five or seven commodity at the wide receiver position Uh, and i'll I'll say it again cd lamb and a replacement you don't need to say how much you believe in cd the player but does someone in that range of player get it done for you I think I would need a top seven tight end, and I feel like that's being greedy. But yeah, I think that that's just what I would take for it. I would take, I would take that that elite wide receiver plus a top seven tight end, since tight ends are just a lot harder to come by. They are. It's a it's a position where even in a dynasty league, um, you might be able to get away a little bit, kind of trying to get lucky year to year and just playing a game and saying, oh, you know, I'll. You can't stream the position, but if you throw the right dart at the Robert Tunyon a few years ago, um, the guy who was in the championship this past year had was riding Jared Cook. Um, you know, if you drafted Pat Fryermuth, you might have felt okay. But if you if you get it wrong, right? If you go Tyler Higby, John o. Smith as the guy that you're throwing the dart on, you're not going to be doing so well. This is a guy who's you 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 set it and you forget it. And there's there's all, literally only a handful of those guys. We're going to get past the top four, and even <laughs> even at number three, I think things start start getting to feel a little icky. Um, so why don't we move to number three? There is a tie, but but when I was looking at this, I was saying three because I was thinking about George Kittle. He tied mm-hmm. in our ranks for um, the third position with with Travis Kelsey. I had Kelsey at three and Kittle at four. You had him flipped Kittle at three and Kelsey at four. I could see it with Kittle. Maybe if it's tie, uh, go tie goes to the younger player, and that's why I put um, Kittle at three, and then and then Kelsey below him in our consensus ranks here. Even though it was a ranking tie, because he's got I think um, what is it four years um, younger than than Kelsey. Yes, they play a different style of ball though, and and why I think it was feeling a little icky for me with Kittle is despite age giving him the advantage over Kelsey, I'm worried about the quarterback situation. And that's just not to say, um, you know, I I think Garoppolo's gone and Lance is there because I was very confident that Lance was going to be the starter six weeks ago. I'm less confident as time goes by. Jimmy stays on the roster. Non-hype reports not coming out about Lance. That's concerning to me. But so if Garoppolo's there, I think the Kittle floor is much higher. If Lance is there, I did not like the box scores of the overlap that Lance had with Kittle 
And with Lance being a run-heavy guy, I just I don't really like the ceiling that Kittle can provide, that the name Kittle can provide versus the, the on-field product. So here we are at number three in our list, and it's like their question marks start to pop up much, much more than the, long, the short-term and long-term trajectories of what you might expect from Andrews and Pitts. How do you feel? Do you feel differently? you feel Kittle's a set it and forget it still? I, I really do like Kittle a lot. Like, I, I really, really like Kittle. I am worried with Kittle and his health. I think that the guy plays a much different brand of football than a lot of these other tight ends. I think that he's throwing his body around, and I think he suffers the consequences for it throughout the season, year in and year out. I mean, the 2018-2019, uh, he played full. He played pretty much full seasons. Um, and he dominated. He he went for 258 total fantasy points, and then in 2019 he went for 222 um, fantasy points. 2020 is when he kind of started to fall off a little. He went for 125 total points with this tight end premium scoring. And then last year he started to resurrect himself. He went for almost 200 points. The thing with Kittle is that, like you said, it's so dependent on who's going to be playing quarterback. If Jimmy Garoppolo stays and he's their quarterback for, for the 2020 season, Kittle would be a guy that I am trying to target, retarget, because I had him at one point. I would, oh, yeah. I would retarget Kittle and try to run a two-tight end set. Yeah, I mean, because he, he was fourth in, in overall fantasy points per game. Uh, he was yeah. 18.1. 14 points out of the tight end position, people, is a difference maker. You are not able to find that just picking it up off the street. You can't do it. No. So, yeah, no, I, I totally see it. He he was just under the, the 100 target mark at 94, but he would have gotten there had he played a full slate. But that, you know, that goes hand in hand, like you were saying, with his aggressive style of football. You're bound to miss games. He was banged up. He missed three total. So he, he didn't get to the 100 uh, target mark. He didn't get to the 1,000-yard mark. But he was pretty close. With, with three games shorter, he was at 910 yards. He had six tutties. And he, he, he clocked 14.1 points per game in, in full PPR scoring. So, I mean, I see it. I, I see the dots here connecting. I just, man, if Lance is under center, none of these stats really matter to me. Um, yeah. That's the problem. I agree. I agree with you fully. I, I do. Lance is such a question mark that it's, it's actually scary to think about having him on your team right now, Kittle on your team right now. Yeah, I mean, it's scary to think that this is a guy who they paid the world for. He went three overall. They traded three first-round picks, essentially, to get him. Mm-hmm. He couldn't beat out Garoppolo. Whatever. He needed to learn. He, he wasn't playing much with the COVID and the offseason. And then this year, it's like, man, the key should be in the ignition by now. They should be full-flying, and it's like the reports aren't great. Continues not to impress. I don't know. It, it worries me for the whole skill position core. It's not just Kittle. I, I'd be... Worried about Debo. I'd be worried about how effective the run game is. But it might be a little premature. He might need another year on the sidelines. It might be Garoppolo again this year. And then you feel great about Kittle, at least for the 2022 season. You feel great about Debo. Um, and the run game probably clicks a whole lot better. So we'll have to see. I, I think they maybe feel like they got their hands tied by the draft capital invested in the player. That if he's not on the field then ownership is going to be looking down their nose saying, what the heck were you guys thinking? So it might be almost like the golden handcuffs uh, leading them in a certain direction. We'll, we'll see. Mm. At four, the old man, but man, is he dependable, Travis Kelsey. 
I got to say, if you had to pick a guy who's likely to be number one this year, especially with the knock that we gave Andrews, I don't think you can have, like, Andrews going into a more run conservative offense. Kittle, you got the question mark with Lance and the quarterback, and, and who is who is he going to target? We're talking pits and, and growing pains and, and a crappier QB. You can't knock Kelsey for anything, really, except maybe the age, right? Yep. But, He's, yep. Yep. But the 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 target share is going to be there. The available targets with Tyreek gone just opened up. Uh, you know that the connection is going to be strong with with Mahomes. Gronkowski, who is a much more injured player historically than Kelsey, continued to to look good when he was with the Buccaneers last year. So Kelsey, who has had less surgeries, less major injuries than Gronk, but of the same age, you know, still still going. When these things happen, uh, the age catching up to you, it, it tends to come quick, right? But we see the tight end position lasting longer than most. And you, like we were talking, Jared Cook kind of sticking around, being relevant to an extent last year with Justin Herbert being an older guy. But, you know, um, it, it's hard to predict beyond this season or next season with a guy of Kelsey's age. That's why you can't, even if you expect him to be the number one um, tight end in 2022, you can't have him much higher than four on the list just because the guys above him have, have the youth on their side. Agreed. The craziest part is that he... Besides for last year, he finished tight end number one for the past five years. Last year, he finished as tight end two. Yeah. So, you know what? Just he's the most dependable tight end by far. And we we joke about it all the time. It's like, when is Travis Kelsey going to fall off the cliff? It's definitely not going to be this year. No. There's no chance. I think I think he's got until at least 34 years old to continue to get the target share and the great um, fantasy numbers. Yeah, and the thing is, there's no matter who they sign or draft, Sky Moore, Valdez, Scantling, Tyreek Hill's not walking through that door. What does that mean is that there's no other name on the roster who is going to command what Tyreek commands. Now, you need to spread the ball, but the the command for those targets, the like you were saying before with the numbers adding up in New Orleans, putting Tyreek Hill down for 20% and, and, and Kelsey down for 25% or what have you. There's no guy in that roster. Like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to get 20. It's like, oh, maybe 10, maybe 12, maybe 8. Um, let's consider the running backs maybe catching more passes now than the wide receiver. But he's the one guy who you know when Mahomes needs someone, he's going to be looking at one person now instead of having the option for two. Uh, and that's very, very clear to me. So beyond the, beyond this year, I think you still got a very good year next year. And maybe one of these big name receivers who are on a contract this year, McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, they find their way um, to KC next year and things kind of calm down. But I think Kelsey could potentially be a league winner type eruption um, week after week after week this year. Uh, I, I, it's really hard to see an alternative scenario barring injury, of course. Yeah, I can't disagree with any of that. It's, it's Travis Kelsey. You, you know what you're going to get with, with the man. Yeah, yeah. Love it. So uh, moving on, we had a, a, a sole position at number five. No tie this time. It was Darren Waller. I had him as my six. You had him as your six. He comes in as the consensus five based on uh, variation and rankings behind him. 
Why don't you kick us off with with Waller? Um, I know I know you had the guy for a bit. Um, I think you like him. I've never never ever rostered the guy, so I only know what I know about him from analysis. Never the fondness of ownership. So why don't you start us off with Waller? Yeah, I mean Darren Waller is just a he's a great athlete. You know, last year he averaged about twelve points um, per game in fantasy. He only played eleven games, which is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, he had 93 targets, 55 receptions, and almost 700 yards in only 11 games played. Mm-hmm. I think that Darren Waller is the type of player, because they signed Devontae Adams, that you start to see a little bit of a uh, decline with him. So, we'll see what happens with that. Because, you know, they have Devontae. Derek Carr has also established a great relationship with Hunter Renfro. So I guess my question is, where does that leave Waller? Is he going to be targeted as much as he was prior to Devontae coming on board? Yeah. So I, I think, and I love that you asked that because that's exactly where I wanted to start my my kind of summary on him. So if, like you said, he finished um, with with over a dozen fantasy points per game. He only played eleven. He had the the injury there. I think it was ankle related, it band or something weird like that, if I recall. But he started off the year with a bang. He had 19 targets, and I believe I was facing you this week, and I was like, what the heck? How is he still doing this? <laughs> 19 <laughs> targets. Um, he had a 26.5-point game right off the bat. After that, defenses looked around, and they said, Brian Edwards is not Terrell Owens. Henry Ruggs is nothing but a deep threat. Renfro hadn't quite come on. And they started keying in on, on Waller, you know, putting a – Putting their their biggest guy, um, deploying a linebacker in or around him, and the targets came down. He was around seven, eight, five. Um, he had he had one more uh, good game with with double digit targets with eleven. But I think we could be seeing. I think the games of nineteen targets are over. But could the consistent could the seven targets become consistently ten and eleven? Could the eight become consistently ten and eleven? I think so. And the reason I think that is because with him back healthy and not being the primary defensive concern for opposing defenses, that being Devontae Adams, obviously, I I think that he is going to be he's going to return more to eating into Hunter Renfro's targets, the safety valve type targets, the 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 crosses across the middle the short ones where you got to turn left or turn right and hope that you get by the defender and get some extra yardage there. I think I think that's going to be Waller's kind of bread and butter and I kind of like him for a little bit of a a rebound in the in the position this year just because Adams coming in when you're planning up a game plan it's going to be primarily how do we take him away? If Waller beats us, if Renfro beats us, if Jacob beats us, they beat us, but we're not going to let Devontae beat us. Now, Devontae's still going to get his. That's not a knock on him. But I think defense has just got a little bit softer for Waller. And if he still has the juice, um, I think we might see that on screen a lot more um, this season. So for me, it's a thumbs up for Waller. I think we have a nice little, I won't say renaissance because he wasn't quite out of it. He had a good year last year. But a rebound in terms of maybe a full season healthy and, and, and returning um, some good value for our fantasy owners. I, I like that. I like that assessment a lot. Yeah. So then we roll right into number six. We had Dallas Goddard, 
who um, he was high on yards. He was your number five. He was my number eight. Blended to to be the the consensus tight end six. For me, it's really around the enhanced competition. I think AJ Brown really is going to be disruptive down there and kind of I don't know. I'm not going to say fly in the oint, but he kind of ruins it for everyone. Uh, Devonte Smith, Dallas Goddard. I don't know. He's he is a guy who's going to command. He's he's like. Tyreek, wherever he is, he's going to command a certain percentage. There's no way around that, especially considering what they traded him, traded for him. Aside from that, the big question with Philly is, do they stay run heavy? They were giving a lot of freedom to Hertz, and they weren't doing so well. They tighten Hertz up and run the ball 40 times a game, including Hertz rushes, and all of a sudden they're a playoff team. So does that really change? They ended the season run heavy on a winning streak aside from, you know, the playoff loss. The way I see Goddard finding the success this year is going to be, he's going to have to be somewhat of a red zone darling. I feel because A.J. Brown is what? He's that explosive catch it, kind of like Jamar Chase-esque, right, where he catches it and then he's faster than everyone else, right? That That eats up a lot of yardage between the 20s, right? I don't think Goddard is going to be that huge play guy. He might be more of a chain mover. But then you've got to consider, well, what does Devontae Smith become? You know, he's he's there too. He's going to command some certain percentage as well. And it keeps um, it hurts and hurts and hurts and hurts. Um not the quarterback, but but hurts Goddard more and more as you start putting these factors in. So where does I had him a little bit lower because of that. We're in the icky part of the tight end position. So I think like He's there. Eight is still high, but once you get beyond the top four, I guess it's like, you know, dealer's choice. But if I see his way, his path forward, it's going to be, he's going to have to have a bigger between the twenties responsibility than what I envision him to have. Mm -hmm. And he's going to have to be a red zone darling. He's going to have to look down there and say, okay, Devontae Smith is pulling coverage. AJ Brown's pulling coverage. And boom, Goddard is wide open on a linebacker, and he needs to go. Oh, ten plus! It has to be ten plus touchdowns if you want that big return with Goddard. Otherwise, he's just going to be there. He's just going to be a guy that's I feel like interchangeable with the other names that we'll talk about on the rest of the list. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think that's exactly where we are on the list. We're on the we're at the part of the list where we can kind of interchange these tight ends. I, I do fully agree with your assessment on the fact that. We don't know how these targets are going to play out um, in the Eagles' offense. I also don't know if they're going to be the cleanest targets out of uh, some of these other quarterbacks that are throwing the ball to the tight end. So it's very tough to say, but I do think that Goddard, because of the nature of the position and the way that he plays the game, I think that he will still have a 20% target share of that offense. I really think it's extremely dependent on how Jalen Hurts plays the game if he's going to just get out of the pocket and start rushing I think that that means Goddard's going to have not a great season if he if he starts using that arm a little bit more and becoming more of a precision type passer then Mm -hmm. I think Goddard is going to be absolutely okay and he's right at that point where I feel comfortable putting him in these rankings at like the six seven eight position I, I think these these next couple guys are interchangeable yeah so the next guy on our list is Dalton Schultz you had him turtle at number nine. I had him higher. Uh, this was like the last, if I missed out on the, the top four guys, yep. I'm going for Dalton Schultz. And the reason why 
I'm going Schultz is when we talk about Cooper and Cedric Wilson leaving the team, we have 165 targets available. Gallup's still there, recovering from the ACL. So what's his availability and his viability until maybe a couple of games into the season, or, or maybe he's good from the jump. Let's say Gallup keeps his target share and takes a little bit of that 165, or takes a lot of it. Say he takes 65 of them. He absorbs the whole Cedric Wilson role. That means Cooper is still out there. Now, C.D. Lamb's going to take some, but, I mean, Pollard, Pollard and Zeke, I think we're going to see pretty much the same. you got James Washington, I don't know, definition of a jag. I can see a way to a lot of those targets after they disseminate around what I just was describing, the the 165, the rest going right to, to Dalton Schultz. And when we talk about fantasy finishes last year, he was in that same range with Darren Waller around 12 points per game. He played a full 17. He was one of those guys who got 100 plus targets and he he was at 104. If he gets another 20 from that 165 open target bucket, he would be the number three targeted guy last year. It was it was Andrews at 153, Travis Kelsey at 134, and then a drop to the 112 targets. So if he if he got 20 more out of 165, he's the third most targeted tight end. I don't know. I I, I just see it as opportunistic. I see it when I look across the landscape, uh, except unless you're trying to throw a dart at someone like, oh, Gerald Everett, he's get, he's going to catch balls from uh, Justin Herbert this year. This one makes the most logical sense where I'm like, okay, I'll have a safe floor if nothing else, but I have I have upward trajectory for for more. Uh, that That's what I see in Dalton Schultz. And I also believe in um, in the Cowboys offense, so... Yeah, I believe in the Cowboys offense as well. And it's it it, it, it says a lot about uh Dalton Schultz that the Cowboys used their franchise tag on him. They 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 obviously see that he's a great player. So I mean a couple more targets. I think he breaks that thousand yard season. He missed it last year by about two hundred yards. Yep. So the other thing I want to say is we can't forget about the rookie signing by the cow or the the yeah. rookie draft pick Tolbert, yep. because yep. I don't think Tolbert's gonna go just unnoticed i think they'll have some sort of role in the offense but i do see what you're saying that dalton schultz has a huge opportunity to see a bigger target share than he did last year with amari leaving yeah 100 percent. and i'm glad you touched on tolbert because as soon as i was done talking i was like damn i forgot to say that tolbert's going to take some some of those targets for sure so and that and that's why i'm glad after forgetting that piece I, i i only said hey if he's got 20 more now he's the third most targeted tight end what does that mean um yeah I, th- I think that means he's got he's got one of the safest floors. Um, so whether that excites you or you want to shoot for a much higher ceiling with with some of these other guys, it, it all comes down to taste once we get in this range. Yeah, I mean, crap, he had a really good season last year. I mean, it's 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 a type of uh, it's a type of production that you want on your your dynasty team. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it. Yeah. So another thing I forgot to say: this was actually a tie. This was a tie for seventh place between Dalton Schultz and T.J. Hawkinson. So let's give T.J. the credit. He was in there tied in our consensus rankings at number seven. He came in at number seven for both of us. Uh, Why don't you start us off with TJ Hawkinson and what is, as time has gone on, started to feel like a very, very competitive 
receiving uh, room slash running back. Like the the target competition is going to be high with the Lions this year. Uh, with with the free agent signings and people returning to health and the draft picks, let us know what you think the reasonable Hawkinson path looks like moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think Hawkinson's going to still be an intricate part of that Lions offense. I know that, like you said, it, it has gotten a lot more crowded. DeAndre Swift's going to command a huge portion of the um, out of the backfield catches. We, we already established that Jameson Williams' year is probably a redo just because of the ACL. So I think that that still leaves um, TJ Hawkinson to have a big target share. In 2020 is when he really came out on the scene. He played 16 games. He had 101 targets, 67 receptions, and 723 yards with six touchdowns. That was a pretty great year for a second-year um, tight end. And then last year, he got hurt. He only played 12 games. He still saw 84 targets, 61 receptions, and almost 600 yards with four touchdowns. I think that if he didn't get hurt, he's clearly shattering his um, second second season numbers. And I think that he's going to be a good good player within that offense. I think he's a focal point. Yeah. So the one the one problem that I have with with Hawkinson is I feel he's up here because he's still riding that age slash perceived talent slash draft capital wave, right? From a few years ago, um, being a first round pick and he's still young and he's got the talent. And I don't know. I look around what what you were saying and, and yeah, if Jamison Williams is out most of the year um, and DJ Chark is, is in that role as opposed to Jamison in there too. And Deandre Swift, then yeah, maybe there's less target competition. But say everyone's there and healthy. Now you got I'm on Ross St. Brown, you got Jim Swift, yep. you got the two mentioned receivers, at least Chark and Jamison Williams. And now you got Hawkinson. And the guy throwing him the targets is is Jared Goff. So I don't know what that means. I, I think Goff is is a, a good system QB, uh, but as soon as you throw him off script, um, it is a disaster. That being said, he he did have a decent season last year in the 12 games that he played. He averaged, again, uh, he's in there with Waller and Schultz, around a dozen points per game, 12.1 points per game. He didn't kill it in the yardage department, uh, despite a lot of targets at 84 targets in those 12 games, only 583 yards. So, again, it, it, that's that comes with the golf territory. That comes with being a Detroit Lion, really. Um, you're not scoring a lot of points. You're not moving the ball effectively. So uh, there's a lot of mouths to feed. Uh, if if this is a tie uh, between between Schultz and between Hawkinson, I am confidently going Hawkinson um, second, and, and Schultz is going to be the guy that I'm choosing draft after draft after draft of head. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. Just because just because Schultz is in a much more high powered and high octane uh-huh. offense, I, but I do think that. TJ Hawkinson gets schemed automatically into um, the Lions' uh, offense just because that's kind of how Jared Goff works. He, he's not really a deep ball thrower. I think that him having Hawkinson go over the middle and on the out routes and on the slants, I think that's that's going to be right where Goff's bread and butter is. Yeah. I mean, well, he started off the season on a tear. You remember the the past season, I you were texting me. He's like, man, TJ Hawkinson's this good. Like, he's getting all the targets in the world, and then – you know, the wheels kind of fell off the whole Lions season after that. But 
he's he's proven that he can do it. It's been small sample sizes, and he struggled with health. But yeah, he's he's still riding that talent wave. He, he can do it. Yeah, young gun, young gun. All right, so we can move uh, quicker. We're we're past the top eight, and now it's getting grosser and grosser. But you know, there, there's still some upside talent here, right? Our, our number nine is is Pat Fryer move. What do you think about the move? I'm a Muth fan. Yeah. That's really all I can say about that. I think Muth is always open. Yeah. <laughs> I think and you know, me, he's, lo- he's lower for me due to the QB situation. Yeah, that's, not, and that's what I was going to explain. He, 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 he's definitely dropped on the list because of the Trubisky slash Pickett situation right off the rip. But I still do think that Friar Muth is a very good um, talent. Yep. And he can be used as that red zone target guy as long as they're starting to get to the red zone. Yeah, I mean, he for a rookie, he had some good contributions, right? It, it's not a lot of times that rookies are contributing at the level he did. Seven touchdowns, um, yeah. about nine and a half fantasy points per game in, in the full point PPR. But he was under 500 yards. It, it, like his step forward, his path to relevancy is improvement between the 20s. So a mm-hmm. lot more activity, and that's going to be hard because that's that's Deontay and that's Claypool and that's Najee. Najee, and and now you got Pickens. So it's it, it's going to be hard. There's a lot of miles to feed. But if he can do that, he's obviously shown he's excellent, excellent, excellent in the red zone. Yeah, he, he's, he was he's, always open. Yeah, he's a force down there. Uh, and, and maybe that's because they were covering the other bigger names and, and he was taking advantage. But um, it could also be because he's got legitimate skills uh, down there creating separation and, and where the field gets a little bit tighter. So not having Big Ben, who was kind of like, hey, I'm going to check it down to this comfort comfort area of the field. Uh, slight knock on him for me. But again, number nine, you're down in the area where you're just hunting for upside anyway, and Fryermuth entering a second year can do that. Number 10, yeah. number 10, Dawson Knox. This is, you want to tie yourself to the Bills offense. You go you go Dawson, not cheaply, you go Dawson Knox. Where are you at with him? Yeah, and that's what I was just about to say. I was going to say the guys that are on the list now, I think most of them are on the list because of the quarterbacks that they are tied to and the offenses yep. that they are tied to. So Dawson Knox being in the Bills offense, you know, He's a young he's a young tight end, 26, and I think that just because Josh Allen is such a great elite quarterback, it really boosts Dawson Knox's um, fantasy stats throughout the year. I think he's a, I think he's a I think he's a locked and loaded low end tight end one every week, and that's what boosted him last year. He tied for the league lead in touchdowns with nine. Um, he was nowhere close on on the yardage or targets or receptions. He had 587 yards and 71 targets and 49 receptions. He got there, uh, riding about 10.9 fantasy points per game on the back of nine touchdowns. So he's going to need that to stay. He's a little bit lower for me because of the increased competition there. Yep. And that's the expected. Hey, Davis is going to take a step forward. Jamison Crowder. Khalil Shakir playing in the slot areas, both of those guys, and now the the determined role that they're going to have, predetermined role for James Cook with, um, hey, we we hired this guy, we drafted this guy to uh, to catch passes. So there goes some uh, additional competition as well. I think we just got to maybe temper expectations of him making a tear jump, and like you said, Turtle, he you better expect more of the 
kind of locked and loaded back end of the tight end one area um, as opposed to saying, oh, he's got a shot to, to go top six this year. I think, I think the lower end is, is more likely. Yeah, there's a lot worse guys than you could be that you could be starting on your your dynasty roster than Knox. Yeah, and that's where we stopped um, agreeing. We those top tens were on both of ours, and then we got into some differences at my tight end nine. So even a little bit higher on my personal rankings was uh, Cole Komet. This was a guy who's he's entering year three, um, hoping for that year three leap. I see the coach talking him up. And I hate to use the who else is there argument, so I'm not going to do it. But, you know, you, you know who else is there. So, <laughs> uh, so I'll leave it at that. I see if I'm, if I'm throwing a dart this year on a back end uh, tight end one, I'm going to throw my dart at Cole Komet and say he, he had a decent year last year and year two. It's a hard position to learn. And he had zero touchdowns. Guess who's going to have positive touchdown regression this year? It's going to be Cole Komet. You're gonna. It's an asset that whatever price you buy him at, by the end of the year, he's going to be worth more. Maybe he's not the back end tight end one I expect, but for the price you have to pay and the return that it'll give you on that price, uh, I feel Cole Komet is a good investment. Um, so the person who has Cole Komet is probably not going to trade him now in our league. But that's my assessment on him. You didn't have him ranked, Turtle, so you can skip on by if you want, unless you had something to say on Komet. No, I, I don't. I don't hate Cole Komet at all. Actually, he um, he had more yards than Fryermuth. He had more yards than Fryermuth, Knox, and T.J. Hawkinson. So I mean, the yards were there. Tiny little uh, yardage total. Talk to me about Noah Fant. I didn't have him ranked. You did. I don't really got much to say on him. I, I think his value hurt going to where he is. Um, so not the biggest fan. You won't, you won't hear much analysis from me. But you had him ranked. Uh, talk to us about the potential silver lining of him in Seattle. I just think that Noah Fant is just a great athlete. And if they can implement him into the offense, whether that's with Drew Locke or Geno, I think he has the upside. He, w- he was never able to really showcase that in Denver. Mm-hmm. But Fant averaged just a little bit under 10 points per game last season, which isn't great by any means. But when he is on the field, people are a little bit nervous because he is a big athletic fast tight end so i just see that if they start using him in offense he could have a big a big swing with upside oh sure sure i can see that but that's really it about him i mean he's on a very shitty landing spot with 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 seattle right now but i just think that the age and athleticism is there um once they do get a good quarterback in the uh in the mix he he could be a good player he's gonna have to rip off like five huge like run after catch touchdowns for him to like just Blow, blow everyone away. Yeah, like he's not a guy that I'm going after and trying to get on my dynasty team. But, you know, like we said already, the last half of these tight ends on this list, it's all just kind of picking and choosing. There, there's, some, there's, some tough, uh, there's some tough people on the bottom half of this list. Yeah. So that, that rounds out your, your top 12. Um, the, the last two spots um, we had, again, we didn't have agreements on. I had Albert O, uh, like you said, solely there because – of the, the quarterback he's linked to. Uh, I like to think that big plays will become a regular occurrence with Russell Wilson, and I'm expecting some of those go to Albert O. It seems like the Judy legal situation isn't going to be that much of a concern. Sutton is going to draw attention. I just 
I, I think Alberto is going to have a chance to for some some big plays. When he's he's done that with some pretty crappy QB play, with him not having the fan competition and getting more snap percentage on the field. Uh, again, I'll, I'll throw a dart at him and, and say that with Wilson at the controls this year, the the upside is is greater for Alberto than it's ever been. And I won't say it's a do or die season, but if this is the time that Alberto pops, I think it has to happen now. Yeah, you know the crazy thing is um, I keep reading stuff about this guy, Greg Dulwich, and they're saying that the Broncos coaching staff loves the kid. And he's a rookie tight end coming out of UCLA, and he's a direct competition with Albert O. So I think that it's anything anything can happen, I think, in that offense. Whoever Russell takes a liking to more, I think, is going to be the one who gets on the field more. You think so? I do. I've been I've been reading some crazy stuff about this guy saying that the coaches love him. Mm. Okay. Take a look. Take a look. I, I've yeah. been seeing it quite often. Yeah. I mean, I'm always I'm a big rookie tight end doubter, but me too. I, I, me I'll too. Me look. too. I'll give it a look based on you know the all of a sudden past few years rookie wide receivers are relevant. Now we got Pitts relevant, so you know maybe there's a changing landscape there. Now wrap us up. Um, you had the the combination of the the Patriots tight ends at, at your number 12. I just dropped Hunter Henry's name in there because you had him listed first, but you had Hunter Henry slash Jonu. You're throwing a dart at, at the combined of them, or you think they'll both kind of be potentially 12, 13 type range? I'm throwing the dart at both of them. Like, Matt, you, you said this to me, I think, a couple weeks ago, that it takes a couple of uh, years to really learn the Belichick system. Jonu Smith's still a very young tight end. He's only 26 years old, and we saw what he did in um, Tennessee those those couple years. He um, he does have the game-changing play, big playability, uh, and Hunter Henry's just going to continue to get his red zone targets, and I think he – I don't know how many – how many touchdowns did Hunter Henry have last year? Do you know uh, he had. I just don't know off the top of my head because he had quite a few. Oh, uh, he was up there. I think he might have led the league. Yep, he had nine. He had nine. He had nine. So Andrews, Kelsey, Henry, and Knox tied for the league lead with nine. So Henry's still going to just be an intricate part of the offense. So I, I think that honestly, I think that those two tight ends are some of their best receiving guys on the team. They don't really have a very deep wide receiver core. So I feel like those guys are going to get more involved each week. Yeah. I mean, I like the call. I like the call. What more can I say? So, yeah, there is your top 12 plus an extra two dynasty tight ends. Now, um, let's turn the page away from the tight ends and let's talk a brand new segment called Make the Case. And we'll wrap up our show with this. And Make the Case... Generally, what we're going to do is we're going to field um, a name from social media or someone who, who adds us or um, a, a friend or a league mate who wants us to go deep on a player um, and essentially make the case for them to be more productive than uh, the market perceives them to be. We're going to start our inaugural segment of Make the Case focused on UDFAs. So Tyler and I each took an undrafted free agent, and we went deep on them, and uh, we're here to make the case as to why each of our players is going to outperform what uh, the market expects them to. Tyler, do you want to start us off with your UDFA? Make the case for Justin Ross. Yeah, let me make the case. I took Justin Ross, 
who signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, the reason I took Justin Ross is, first off, he's getting no respect and no love in any rookie draft that I've seen thus far. So I wanted to see if I could make a case for him, for people to draft him just a bit higher. So first things first, Justin Ross broke out extremely early in his career at the age of 18. With that being said, that's an extremely fantastic um, display for an for a NFL prospect. He was a big play threat and led the team in receiving as a true freshman. And you know who he beat out? He beat out T. Higgins his freshman year, which is pretty crazy because we know what T. Higgins is doing right now. Ross has huge, he's got great size and he's got great ball tracking ability. And he tends to catch the ball at its highest point, which is huge for um, a downfield threat. He doesn't have the speed right now, which could have been a um, an injury thing. We'll see if he can. We'll see if he can develop that. But he definitely showcases all the skills needed to be a great NFL receiver. Plus, he's tied to Patrick Mahomes, which is never a bad thing. If there's one, if there's one quarterback in the NFL that can make somebody relevant, I think it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. The only thing working against him is his spine injury. Mm. Unfortunately, he was born with that, though. But as of right now, it looks like he's been medically cleared or else he wouldn't have been picked up. So we're going to see what happens with that. I really, I really, with him, I really wish nothing but the best for him just because he's had a rough go. He, he, should, have been, he should have been drafted if it wasn't for the two injuries that he had. I think it was, a, it was the neck, and then I think he had a foot injury as well. But as of right now, I think Justin Ross is a great dynasty stash, and I'm taking him in the I'm taking him in the mid fourth to early fifth round. I'll reach on him if I have to, just because I I, I really like where he's at and I like where he's who he's tied to. Okay, mid. That's really it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, why not? That's uh, that's basically a free square. If you have a free square that you think can pop, I mean, that that's what you're shooting for. You're like, okay. Screw the floor in the fourth and fifth round. I'm shooting for the moon. Why not? I mean, he's he, like I said, he's just tied to such a good offense. Hopefully the guy makes the team. He proves the haters wrong, and we see this guy playing the NFL for years and years. Yeah, like you said, got to wish nothing for the best uh, of a guy with that talent to go undrafted, um, you know, nearly unheard of. And I know we were talking about in our group chat on on you know all three draft days. We're like, man, when is Ross gonna go? It's just when he went undrafted, it was like, holy moly! But yeah, couldn't have, couldn't have found a better landing spot. No, he definitely couldn't have. Well, let's turn it over to me. Let me make the case for a one Kennedy Brooks running back, oh. running back undrafted free agent for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, let's start back way in high school. This guy was legit. In his high school career, he went for 7,658 yards. And, Turtle, you want to guess how many touchdowns he scored? Shit. Uh, 24? <laughs> Try 96 touchdowns. Oh, his whole career? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, you were at, I mean, you averaged out pretty close. Actually, if you thought 24 a year, that's exactly 96. So that's pretty spot on. Um, he won the Landry Award, which is the top player in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. As you know, Texas, that is a breeding ground for NFL talent. So he was recognized. Not He wasn't the state a win, winner, but, I mean, Dallas, Fort Worth, large area, a lot of talent coming out of that position. And um, his senior year, he was the best player in that area of the country. Now, coming out of his senior year, he committed to Oklahoma, suffered a shoulder injury, redshirted his entire college year. So 2017, his freshman year in college, redshirt, didn't play. 
2018, his freshman season where he did play, he went for 1,056 yards, so a 1,000-yard runner, on only 119 attempts. Again, we're, we're talking Oklahoma here. This is not a cakewalk schedule. This is, this is the big time. 119 attempts, he averaged 8.9 yards a carry in 2018, his freshman year. He did that in only 11 games, and he scored a whopping 12 touchdowns. Chipped in a little bit in the receiving department, 10 receptions for 57 yards. But what's interesting, again, 8.9 years of carry, 1,000-yard rusher, 12 touchdowns in only 11 games. Is The interesting part here in 2018 is who else was on the roster? He was not the starter. Trey Sermon was the starter. Trey Sermon, on 164 attempts, 50 more, did not hit 1,000 yards. He got 947 yards. And Kyler Murray was the quarterback. They both played 14 games. Kyler Murray went for 1,000 yards rushing on 140 attempts from the QB position and 12 touchdowns. So on three less games played and on 20 to 40 less attempts, respectively, from Murray and Sermon, this guy went for the most yards on the team and tied Murray to have 12 touchdowns on the ground. A very impressive rookie season by all accounts. Let's go on to 2019. 2019? Well, Kyler Murray goes and gets drafted 101. He's gone. In comes Jalen Hurts to manage the offense, right? So in 2019, in 13 games, he um, he went for, again, another 1,000-yard season, 1,011 yards on 155 attempts. He was 6.5 yards per carry. Step back in the TD department. We'll, we'll go more in a second as to why that happened. He had six touchdowns. Again, moderate level of contribution in the receiving department, 10 receptions again for 79 yards. What's interesting is who else was on the roster. Number one, Trey Sermon played 10 games. Trey Sermon's still there. He only rushed the ball 54 times, 385 yards, and four touchdowns. So last year, in 2018, Sermon was the starter. They saw what this guy did as a freshman. They said, Sermon, you're not the starter anymore. Kennedy Brooks, you're our guy. Wow. Kennedy Brooks gets the 155 attempts. Sermon only 54. New on the scene... In 2019, Ramondre Stevenson, another NFL back. Ramondre Stevenson, more rushes than Trey Sermon, 64 for 515 yards and six touchdowns. Again, Kennedy Brooks still the big guy. Now, six touchdowns for for Kennedy Brooks. What happened? Jalen Hurts happened. Jalen Hurts, compared to Kennedy Brooks' 155 rushing attempts, Jalen Hurts had a whopping 233 Rushing attempts from the quarterback position, he went for 1,298 yards and 20 effing touchdowns. Okay, wow. I'm not taking. I'm not, honestly, I'm adding some of that production back to Kennedy Brooks's sophomore season here, his redshirt sophomore season, because in a in a real world, like that's not happening from the QB position. 20 touchdowns and 1,300 yards. So Kennedy Brooks again, another great season um, in his second year playing. In 2020, he opted out. I don't know why. I don't know if there's a pre-existing condition. I couldn't find that, but he was a COVID opt-out. After after um, the 2019 season, we had Trey Sermon drafted in round three by the San Francisco 49ers. We had Hertz drafted in round two. In comes Spencer Rattler as the new QB and Ramondre Stevenson with Kennedy Brooks out. 
Uh, takes over as the, the RB1 for Oklahoma. He goes for 665 yards and seven touchdowns on 101 carries, again, in a reduced COVID-shortened season. And he goes on to be drafted by the Patriots in round four, bringing us to 2021 last season, where Kennedy Brooks, after a year off with COVID, comes back and has the best season of his collegiate career. In 2021, again, with Spencer Rattler, as we all know now, in hindsight, really underperforming from the quarterback position and honestly losing the job at points. We had Kennedy Brooks, 13 games. On 198 attempts, he averaged 6.3 yards per carry for 1,253 yards and his collegiate career high 13 touchdowns. He tacked on again, moderate receiving contributions, 73 yards on nine receptions. And who else was on the roster this year? was this hot transfer, a junior coming in, who, who Eric Gray, he played his first two seasons at Tennessee. He was being brought in to play the Ramondre, the Sermon, the, the hey, this is the guy who's going to take your job, Kennedy Brooks. And he completely pushed Eric Gray to the side, who only got 78 carries, 412 yards, and two touchdowns across 13 games. Played the same amount of games as Kennedy Brooks. Kennedy Brooks just said no. I would say those numbers... His highest in in rushing yards and touchdowns were still limited by Rattler, really d- destroying the offense. So all told, he runs the combine four five nine, which is really good considering he's five eleven, two hundred fifteen pounds. He's not a small guy. I think he got in a perfect landing spot. We were talking about Hertz. We were talking about Goddard and what he needs to do. He's in a very run heavy offense. Um, there's limited competition there. If we look at the depth chart. Of the Philadelphia Eagles, we got Miles Sanders at the top. No touchdowns last year. Boston Scott, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not a big Boston Scott guy. Small guy, quick, you know, he can he can catch the ball a bit, but that's not where he plays anyway. Kenneth Gainwell, he's not going anywhere. I think, I think he's safe there. And number four, Jason Huntley. I look up and down that depth chart, and I see Jason Huntley's position and Boston Scott's position easily captured by Kennedy Brooks at least Huntley's position, especially if he can, he can pitch in on special teams and really get on the roster. And he's got that connection to Jalen Hurts. He was with Jalen Hurts with that huge season back in 2019. And when we look at the success that they had on the ground last year in Philadelphia, we saw a lot of success with um, Jordan Howard entering the scene and being that bruiser, that, the, the role that Sanders and Scott and Gainwell and Huntley cannot fill – I can see Kennedy Brooks coming in and performing at that level out of the gate as a rookie. So, all told, you got a good landing spot, you got limited competition, you got a connection to the quarterback who I was watching some some videos and and Hurts speaking very highly of him not only back at Oklahoma but even now as a Philadelphia Eagle. Um you got a run heavy team and you got Jordan Howard not coming back in that role wide open and no one on the roster looking like they can fill it. I think Kennedy Brooks is a sneaky guy who you could take a dollar and turn a good return on that. You can you can flip him for you're talking fifth round. He's he's going undrafted. You can pick him up off a waiver, stick him on the end of your bench, and um, and see what that lottery ticket turns into. That's my case for Kennedy Brooks. What do you think, Turtle? I'm picking him up right now in my other league. You sold <laughs> you, you sold me on it, my boy. And that's the point of the segment. We want you to um we're we're doing the work to sift out some potential diamonds in the rough so you guys can make a few clicks on your fantasy app of choice, get these guys on your roster, and, and get 
yeah, collect the dividends as they pay out down the road. Oh, shit. I actually already have him on my roster, probably because you told me about him. <laughs> well, He's been picked up already. You're, cop- <laughs> you're just copying uh, my moves in the in this league. Oh, what hey, hey, man. Go see that. So there you go. Kennedy Brooks, Justin Ross. If you, if you even – you don't got him. Someone's got him in your league. Try to toss him a future fifth rounder. This is a guy that you want to have before training camp starts. Justin Ross, Kennedy Brooks – these are better darts to have this year than a fifth round pick in, in 2023 or 2024. Try to try to buy them low. We're not saying go sell the farm for these guys. We'd hate for you to do that and then they don't they don't pan out. But here are some upside guys for you that, that we really like. Turtle, anything else that you want to say before we wrap up? No, I think that was a great show. I love the uh, make a case segment and I'm looking forward to next week. What are we doing next week, Matt? Uh next week. We got we got a few surprises. Let's leave it at that. We got a few more segments that we're going to debut. It's going to be it's going to be fun. We, we've been we've been tossing a lot of segment ideas back and forth. We're going to take a few of them out of the hopper, play with that, and then we wanted to to talk some big um, winners and losers. Um, but that feels kind of like a, a full show. So we'll have to see how we can balance you know the main chunk of the show with introducing some of the other segments because when we talk winners and losers from the draft and all all that sort of stuff. Um, we could go. We could get lost in that. You know, we might need to take it maybe division by division or conference by conference if we want to blend in a few new things. But lots of good stuff coming on Dynasty Drama. Please to continue to tune in and support us on social media. Turtle, why don't you drop the socials um, for folks listening so they can follow us and, and and get the daily interactions where you're posting daily out there with some cool, engaging content. Yeah. So Twitter, that's where we mostly post all of our uh, content. It's at Dynasty Drama Pod. That's at Dynasty Drama P-O-D. Yeah, and then you'll see Turtle and I will be down there in the comments and stuff engaging, and you can always follow us off that too for our personal tweets and stuff like that. I was posting about Kennedy Brooks a little bit earlier this week, just in in a little sneak peek on on this upcoming segment. So uh, if you want some of that cool stuff, um, you like and follow there and, uh, yeah, looking to chat with you all again on social media and be in your ears next week. Have a great weekend, turtle. We'll talk. Have a great, have a great weekend, everyone. All right. Bye guys.